The children. This is Ask Governor Morris, a WBGO News production in collaboration with WHYY and WNYC. I'm Nancy Solomon. After being the lone governor holding out against requiring face masks indoors, Governor Murphy relented this week. At a certain point, we got to open up, and this is the we believe this is the right point to do that. Lifting the mask mandate is not a license to be a knucklehead. We encourage all employers to do the right things for their specific workplaces. While we are rescinding some requirements, that doesn't mean that we don't expect you to be flexible and to work with employees. Are we out of the woods? I think I said this pretty clearly, we're not. But we are in a meaningfully, dramatically different and better place. Listeners, this is your chance to speak directly with the governor. What do you think about allowing people to go unmasked indoors in stores, gyms, and restaurants? Call us with your questions at 973-297-0941. That's a different number than usual, 973-297-0941. We'll also be taking your questions via social media using the hashtag AskGovMurphy. And the number again, 973 973- Two nine seven zero nine four one. We have Governor Phil Murphy on the line. Good evening, Governor. Good evening, Nancy. Good to be with you. Kind of a curveball with a new number there, isn't it? Yeah, maybe some people might not call. Where we, it could be just you and me tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just keep saying it over and over. There you uh, go. How are How are you doing? Listen, I'm I'm doing well. Our youngest son graduated from high school today. We're gonna have a dinner celebrating that after after you and I get off. We're on the edge of Memorial Day weekend. I wish our, the weather forecasts were better. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, this is the beginning of the summer, and there's no state in the nation that celebrates the summer like Jersey. The health numbers are getting better and better. The vaccinations are getting deeper and deeper. Um, it's hard not to feel like uh, we're in a different as we had hoped and uh, to some extent predicted, we're in a meaningfully better place, and thank God we are. Yeah. Well, you made some big moves towards <coughs> it's opening up the state's economy this week. Yep. Tell us about that. Yeah, so the you'll recall, I'll, I'll roll the tape back. The CDC had, well, let me roll it back further and just say as far back as December, I was starting to use the phrase, I want to hang my hat on Memorial Day weekend as the place where folks could look to with some amount of conviction, certainly hope, and I hope conviction that we could get back to normal and and we got there. CDC announced on May 13th they were going to lift the indoor mask mandate. Um, frankly, that caught us by surprise. We weren't ready. We were within a number of weeks of feeling like we were ready, but with each passing day with a pandemic, if you're going in the right direction, um, the numbers start to go down exponentially, particularly if you keep up the public health um, behaviors that so many millions in our state have done. And at the same time, which is where we didn't have this last year at this time when the numbers did begin to go dramatically in the right direction, but we had no vaccine. This time we knew that with each day we could put up another 20 or 30,000 first shots so we said, you know what, let's let's try to let's hold out as long as we can. You know, our neighbors had had all relented. So there's only so much 
you know, a time on the clock, particularly if you look across the, the, the rivers, the Hudson and the Delaware, on things like restaurant and other behavior. And you're right, we announced on Monday that we're lifting the indoor mask mandate. We are lifting outdoor capacities, and then as of as of tomorrow, and then as a week tomorrow, uh, lifting the indoor capacities. And uh, you know, thank God we're able to do that. And God willing, we'll be able to do this, continue the vaccine rollout aggressively. And we've got lots of different programs underway on that front. But God willing, we can do this, these steps, and uh, and continue to see the the really good public health numbers and get back to normal at the same time. Do you have concerns about <clears throat> unvaccinated people inside grocery stores and restaurants? Um, do you think that that represents any kind of public health hazard? I mean, to some extent, uh, you, you cannot say that the risk is at zero. We, you know, we still have people going to the hospital. Sadly, we still have people dying, and, and we have, um, for whatever reason, and some of the reasons are very good ones, we still have a lot of folks who are not yet vaccinated. Having said that, a couple of things. I think we're now at like 8.5 or 8.6 million shots in the arms. Almost 5 million New Jerseyans have had at least their first shot. 4 million are completely vaccinated. You know, you add to that folks who have had COVID uh, and have some amount of immunity. The 12 to 15-year-old cohort, which is new to being able to get vaccines, at a certain point, we've got the virus on the run, or, or put differently, we're cornering it. Having said that, for the folks who are not vaccinated, Nance, um, I'm pleading with them to get vaccinated. The personal health risk to not get vaccinated dwarfs any risk, any de minimis risk of getting vaccinated. Um, and I would just plead with them to get vaccinated. And in the meantime, do the right thing. Wear a mask if you're on the inside. Keep up your social distancing. And again, get get vaccinated. But is there zero risk here? No, there's not zero risk. Uh, There's no question. There's still some risk. Um, And we're we're not out of the woods completely, but we're in a dramatically different and better place. And we believe strongly we can safely and responsibly uh, open the state up wide. Listeners, we're taking your calls with questions for the governor at 973 Two nine seven zero nine four one. That's a different number than usual. Nine seven three two nine seven zero nine four one. So you mentioned, um, you know, the push to get the unvaccinated vaccines. Um, yep. Tell us about the incentives. I know you're excited about a lot of them. Um, so tell us yep. about the the range of what you've got going. Yeah, it's Operation Jersey Summer. There are now about 12 or 15 elements to it. I'll give you a couple. Uh, the ones that are sort of the sexy, glamorous ones are shot in a beer. <laughs> Go to any one of our craft breweries. And we've got some great ones. Uh, and, and show that you've gotten a vaccination in the month of May. You get a free beer. Uncork the vaccine, um, which is the equivalent program with our great wineries. Um, we've got free beginning today. You prove that you've been vaccinated, by the way, at any time. You get a free pass for the entire balance of the year at any of our state parks. And I think there are 18 of them that have some sort of a fee. That's worth about 50 bucks. We have Grateful for the shot. And I want to give First Lady Tammy Murphy a big shout out for that, which is basically kind of a ripoff of the soul of the souls to the polls 
idea of using faith communities and going deep into communities and then, you know, worshiping and then voting, in this case, gathering, in some cases celebrating uh, with mobile vans and getting vaccinated. The, the most, uh, you know, the biggest one, fr- frankly, doesn't have the, the, the sexiness or the glamour that some of the other programs have, which is literally a massive door-knocking campaign, particularly focused in communities that are under-vaccinated. And again, there are a lot of reasons why communities are under-vaccinated, but a lot of them are legitimate, you know, hi- historical reasons, black and brown communities, black communities in particular, uh, where the public health treatment uh, and other vaccine-sorted uh, histories in the past uh, have rightfully frightened folks off. So we've got a massive campaign, volunteers and paid, knocking on doors, um, and the reception has been good. And these are in communities. I'll give you a handful that just to give folks a sense of what this week's group looked like. Camden, Vineland, Trenton, Atlantic City, Patterson, New Brunswick, Perth Amboy, Jersey City, Bayonne, Passaic City. Those are the 10 communities we were knocking on doors this week. Um, you know, more of a grinded out aspect of the Operation Jersey Summer, but incredibly valuable. Uh, and, and knocking on wood with success. We're still getting a lot of first shots every day. Yesterday we had just about 20,000. We need to keep that pace up or more to get to our 4.7 million adults by the end of June. It'll be close, but I think we'll get there. We got a question on social media from Lauren in Bayonne who asks, does the governor agree with states bribing their citizens with lotteries and free merchandise in order to get the COVID-19 vaccine? It seems a bit unfair to those citizens who took the initiative to get the vaccine as soon as it was available that the indecisive get rewarded. So I guess... You know, we don't have a lottery, but you could say, yep. well, I got vaccinated in April. How come I don't get a state park yep. pass? Yeah, it's a it's a fair question from Lauren. Um, and and we're, we're we're sort of having it both ways, to be honest with you, because the, the state park, the free and make Lauren, I want to make sure Lauren's listening. The free uh, season pass to our state parks is for anybody who's been vaccinated, regardless of when you're vaccinated. Oh, great. Okay. Which is which is a great one. So not all these programs are back backdated or, or end dated. We've looked at a lot of them. You know, we, we haven't gone the lottery route because we're having success um, so far. By the way, we got, we got one I should have mentioned, Nancy. We've got dinner with Tammy and me. Uh, and as of yesterday, there were 13,000 people who had signed up. And I want to make sure Lauren knows that it is for anyone who's been vaccinated at any time. And it's a plus one. So you can bring a guest and we'll I'm not sure when we're going to draw that. But that's uh, another element of our Operation Jersey Summer. So we got a lot of different different ones. Again, I the one that I would not underestimate is the, the grind it out door to door campaign, uh, which, again, doesn't get the headlines uh, but is uh, a really important element of this. And where do I sign up for that dinner with you and Tammy? Um, COVID19.nj.gov, and I forget oh. the page. But, but it's, Dan it's Bryan, on the, the portal of all things COVID. Sure my, sure. my buddy Dan Bryan will shoot me a note, and at some point we'll give you the, okay. the folder where you can go. Okay, well, we are getting calls. The number is 973-297-0941. We're going to go to Donna from Oxford. She's on the phone. Yes, hi, Governor Murphy. How are you? 
I'm well. How are you, ma'am? I'm doing very well also. I do not have a question for you, but I have been wanting to tell you what a great job I think you're doing. Um, you led us through this crisis. You stayed strong when people were telling you that you were doing the wrong thing. You've done what you could for the people of New Jersey, and I'm a little bit nervous. But before that, you were doing a great job, too. I just wanted to let you know that wow. because I know the position that you're in is very, very tough. Um, you have to try to please everybody, and that's a really difficult job <laughs> to do. But you've done an excellent job and continue the fight for the people of New Jersey because wow. you're awesome. Well, listen, Donna, maybe it's the new phone number, uh, Nancy, but <laughs> Donna, thank you. Um, that means a lot to me, and, and uh, you know, we'll continue to do our best, but I, that really does mean a lot, and I appreciate enormously your words and your heartfelt um your heartfelt uh, words. So thank you very much. Well, I, I don't think all the questions tonight are going to be quite so complimentary, but I will no. say, you know, I talk to people out and about all the time, and I do hear a lot of gratitude for your leadership of, through the pandemic. Thank so. you. I appreciate that, and I and I would, would expect you're right about not all the calls tonight will be <laughs> at the same level of laudatory uh, Yeah. Uh, here's one. I got a tweet uh, asking me to ask you um, yes. if you could go back to March 2020, knowing what you know now, what one thing would you do differently? Um, I'll tell you this: it, it it didn't. You know, we found a lot of common ground, it, it much it, 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 to the surprise of many with the Trump administration. And I will be forever grateful. Uh, there were there are a lot lot of other elements that. Um, it, it did not work, but I and I and I want to reiterate that when we really needed PPE, beds, ventilators, testing, we we were able to find common ground and get help. The thing that angered me, um, a couple of things do, but I'll, I'll choose to give you this answer because it's the one that I think is the most relevant. I think Nancy, it came out around. I always forget when this came out, but it was later uh, in in a tape recorded conversations. I think it was around the Bob Woodward book where the president said we knew earlier than we let on about the, the gravity of this virus. Mm-hmm. Um, does that sound right? Was it related to Woodward? Yep. Yep. Yeah. And so here's the thing that I would, I don't know that we would have done anything differently, but we would have done what we did sooner. And there's no question we would have saved lives. So I'll give you a specific example. We were, I think, the first state in the nation to mandate indoor masking. If we had known, you know, I guess I forget the time frame of the president was referring to, you know, late January, early February, but a good month or so ahead of when it became public knowledge in terms of the gravity, the airborne nature of it, uh, we would have probably done the same thing, but we would have done them sooner. And that would have saved lives. That's 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 my my quick answer for that. Okay, thank you. Memorial Day weekend is here, and that's the kickoff to summer tourism at the Jersey Shore. Big crowds are expected, but many business owners say they're having trouble hiring enough workers. And I'm going to yep. play you an excerpt of an interview that WBGO's Doug Doyle conducted with Matt Harmon, who's the owner of the Boathouse Bar and Grill in Belmar. A couple of weeks ago, I would have said, could there have been maybe the smallest bit more clarity that things were going to get back to normal for Memorial Day weekend? So that maybe you could have had 
two, three more weeks to try and put a staff together. You know, I mean, listen, to, to be fair, I, I know anyone who's in political offense right now, they, they don't have an easy job. Uh, so I can, I can understand that and sympathize that. I, I just think that from a standpoint of without maybe, I, I guess, letting the cat out of the bag, was there a way to say, you know, we're, we're pushing to get back to normal for Memorial Day weekend because it's going to be so critical for small businesses, restaurants, um, ice cream shops. I mean, how many places, re- boardwalks, how many places rely on Memorial Day, 4th of July, Labor Day weekend, those three holidays specifically, all of which we lost entirely last year. We didn't really have it. I mean, you might have been open, but you weren't really open. And for right now, you couldn't really hire a summer staff because you didn't know whether or not you're going to be open. It's a challenge for sure. I think that's the best way to say it. And and moving forward, get people back to work. You know, I mean, I, I, I would hate to say pull the rug out from people because I think right now the extra COVID money goes through um, September. But but right now, summer businesses and even year-round places like the Boathouse, we need people to work. You almost need to somehow like in the case of a Wawa, I mean, the boathouse doesn't have $500 to give to every person who walks in the door as an incentive. But is that something that maybe the, the state could say, hey, if you come off of unemployment before you were supposed to at the end of September, instead of giving you $300 a week, we'll give you $500 to get off of it and get back to work. I, you know, I mean, something like that, some incentive to, to get people back working because um, the Jersey Shore no disrespect to to any other city. The Jersey Shore is the lifeblood of this state, especially in the summer months. Right, so we only have yeah. a little bit more than a minute before we go to a break. But so, yeah. you know, he's asking, there's a labor shortage at the Jersey yeah. Shore. W- what are your thoughts on that? I'll give you a quick answer. First of all, I think he's very reasonable. And the boathouse is a really good spot. So I would uh, ask okay. anybody if you're in Belmar to swing by. Um we made the decision, we announced on Monday, this past Monday, the 24th, about our plans for tomorrow and next Friday. We probably, I, I finalized that Sunday night. So it's not like we were, we, we're, we're, we're the, the, sadly, the virus still dictates the terms here. And so we were not sitting on, on that decision. And I completely appreciate and understand Matt's point. I think it may be worth, after the break, a little bit longer discussion about the $300 and What's contributing to what you're hearing pretty pretty regularly in small businesses, restaurants in particular, bars uh, uh, about a shortage of labor. I think that's right. worthy. If it's okay with you after the break, another minute. Uh, we have a little bit of time, so you do. And- so listen, I I think there are a number of reasons why we've got a shortage. It's potentially partly this three hundred dollar supplement, uh, but even that will run out sooner than later. And the evidence from the the economists who have really studied this does not really support that's the really driving reason. I think you've got daycare, access to daycare. School is not all in full time. And you've got people who are scared about going back. Those are other three other big reasons. Mm-hmm. And is there anything in terms of public policy? We've got 20 seconds that yeah, you can man, do. We're going to try to deploy a lot of the American Rescue Plan money to small businesses and restaurants at bars. And so, God willing, that'll help boost their business. And we're going to have, God willing, a great summer on the shore. Okay, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be taking more of your calls. I'm Nancy Solomon and you're listening to Ask Governor Murphy. You're listening. 
listening to Ask Governor Murphy, a WBGO News production in collaboration with WNYC and WHYY. Got a question for the governor? Call us at 973-297-0941. That's 973-297-0941. Or pose your question on Twitter or Facebook with the hashtag AskGovMurphy. I'm Nancy Solomon, and we're live with Governor Murphy. Uh, did you want to say anything more about the labor shortage at the shore for the summer before we move on? Yeah, uh, thank you for that. By the way, the uh, the the dinner um, with Tammy and me is it's it, it, the folder is dinner. So COVID19.nj.gov/dinner, uh, and very excited about that. Yeah, I think just to basically reiterate what I said, I think there are a number of reasons, um, and there's a there's a big block of folks who think this $300 supplement is is, is one of them, and, and that may well be the case. I don't think it's the over overwhelming one, and, and the economic analysis supports that it, it is not, but I suspect it is a factor. It, but that's also temporary. Um, and again, I think it's access to daycare, child care. That's why we've poured a lot of uh, focus and money into that. It's schools being not yet uh, full-time in a lot of places, so you don't have the ability to uh, to have your child reliably in school you got people who are scared still I mean you, you, anecdotally that you know it's going to take a while before we all you know climb back on the horse and and feel like we're we've got that confidence that uh, we can get back to doing the things we used to do I do think this cures itself um, uh, and again I, Matt makes a, a, a great point that Jersey Shore is a a crown jewel at many levels, including as an economic driver in our state. It's a, it's probably a fifty billion dollar uh, economy when you add it all up, uh, and that's a big deal in, in New Jersey. As big an economy as we may have, that's a big deal. And God willing, we're going to have a great summer. Anecdotally, the evidence on shore rentals, you know, motel rooms, hotel rooms that are booked, uh, feels like it's going to be a strong summer, and uh, and hopefully it will be. Okay, we're going to go to the phones. We have Africa in Newark on the line. Hey, how you doing, Governor? Hey, Africa. Nice nice to hear you. Hey, um, all right. I'm going to keep it short and sweet. I got two questions. Yep. Um, people like me are not taking the vaccines. Me and a few friends that I know, a lot of people, a few people that I know are not taking the vaccine because we don't trust the government. We believe the government is racist. We believe the, um, the, um, the companies that have given out the vaccine, Johnson & Johnson, that gave people cancer already. We don't trust none of these people. We don't trust nothing that the government say. We don't trust, um, what you call it, Fauci. We don't trust nothing they say because we believe these institutions are racist and white supremacists, and they don't care about us. I mean, they've never cared about us, and they, like they've never shown that they care about us. And the reason, and also, don't you think if they pay more money to people, people will go back to work instead of being out here suffering and, and doing other things like participating in underground economies to try to survive out here. Why don't we try to work first on getting people paid not $15 an hour, but like $20, what it should really be for them to be able to sustain themselves out here. So, um, yo, this yep. is, I'm not coming at you. This is not beef. I'm not trying to yell at you. Yo, I'm a sociologist yep. and a historian by trade. I yep. need to know, like, scientifically, I mean, how can we trust this institution which we believe are racist? And do you believe... American institutions are racist. Yep. Africa, thank you for both points. Um, 
let me focus on the health one first. And I think what I'd like to do is, as, as always, our entire cabinet and senior staff are listening. So I'd love to ask um, Judy Persichelli, our great health commissioner, or one of her colleagues, to give you a call in the next in the next day and just sort of walk through the science on on these vaccines. And I mentioned this earlier, um, and the history is is not a good one in terms of particularly the, the black community in America as it relates to healthcare more broadly uh, and vaccines specifically. So the historic, historically based skepticism um, is understandable completely. I would just say, uh, based on everything I know, and I'm not a scientist and I'm not a medical expert, but I spent a lot of time with them and speaking with them, I believe with all my heart uh, your risks uh, in not getting vaccinated overwhelmingly outweigh your risk of getting vaccinated. I believe that with all my heart. Um, but again, I'd love to ask one of our experts in, in medicine to follow up with the Africa. As it relates to, you know, a, a, a proper wage, I could not agree with you more. You, you know, I, I'm, I'm not denying that $20 is better than $15. Let there be no doubt about it. But we have one of the most progressive marches toward $15 of any American state. We've done a lot with earned sick leave, equal pay, um, uh, health health benefits, access to health coverage, um, affordable housing, um, public strong public education and investment in that. So I would just say, listen, we we are digging out. Uh, you know, early years, fifth century since slavery came to our shores decades after uh, the carnage associated with the war on drugs. You could pick, you know, which moment in history, but it's measured either in decades or centuries. Uh, and we, we look at net worth disparities, which are jaw-dropping. Um, I, I can't tell you we're patting ourselves on the back or that we are, we're, we're home yet by a long shot. But I do believe we are on a lot of different journeys that are over time, beginning to and will ultimately, God willing, substantially address a lot of the inequities that uh, that exist and that Africa referred to. We got another question about um, vaccinations that takes a very different perspective, and uh, I'm going to read that one to you. It came in via social media from Professor Professor Anna Haley. Good evening, Governor Murphy. I'm a professor at Rutgers, and I look forward to returning to in-person teaching at our New Brunswick and Newark campuses this fall. I'm proud that Rutgers led the nation in mandating COVID-19 vaccination for returning students. And I am, as I am, proud about Rutgers' leadership in developing COVID testing and now serving as a vaccination site. I also think fair's fair and that faculty like me and staff should be required to get vaccinated by this fall. Rutgers Faculty Union, AAUP, agrees. What is your position on a vaccination mandate for Rutgers faculty and staff? Yeah, these are all... um, Nancy, did you think when you and I first met that these are the questions would be uh, either fielding or answering? It's extraordinary. Not not at all. Yeah, right. That's a good point. It feels like our first shows in Newark were about 10 lifetimes ago. Yeah. Um, Listen, Rutgers has led the nation, and I've been 
uh, of the of, of the opinion, I respect their decision. They're, they're now, I was speaking with President Jonathan Holloway the other night, and he's done an incredible job. <laughs> Started on July 1st of last year. You talk about walking in into the middle of a, a, a firefight. Uh, I, Rutgers was the first, but there are now over 400 institutions of higher education um, in the country that are going to require it of students, including Princeton and many others in Jersey. Um, I've personally been of the opinion that we should, that, that, that I hope that people get there of their own free will, that we get to that 70% mark and you add to that kids that are getting it now and others who have been exposed to the virus have gotten it and have some amount of antibodies and that we would collectively societally get there. I'm not opposed to it. Um, but, uh, I've been of the opinion I'd rather not mandate it. Um, but you know what? Uh, there are others on the other side of that who I respect are WJ Barnabas Health System. I think they announced that they're going to ask, beginning with their senior management, that it be mandated. I think they're the second health system in the country to mandate that. I was on with a CEO who used a word that I think captures something a little bit in between that I kind of like, which is we expect you to be vaccinated which falls short of uh, mandating, particularly if there's a particular health issue uh, where you may have had allergies to prior vaccinations in your life. Um, but, it's, but it's north of we want you to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that captures sort of where I am right now. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay, let's go back to the phones. We have Stephen from Bergen County on the line. Stephen? Hey, Stephen. Yes, uh, Governor Murphy. Thank you so much, and, and everyone um, in, in your team and with the with the station for doing this for the people thank in you. New Jersey. Um, thank you, sir. I'm pretty sure you're going through a lot, uh, as we all are. But um, thank you for doing a fabulous job. So, just briefly, my my question is it's it's a two part question. Um, so, I, I'm a resident in Tenafly, and um, I have four children, two of them which are within the public school system, and I am hearing news now that potentially they're not going to do any more virtual for next year. My my concerns are the fact that my wife is an immuno a potentially a terminal immunocompromised person, mm-hmm. and this kind of puts my family in a very particular situation. Mm-hmm. Um, what what are your thoughts in, in getting the kids vaccinated, the, the children especially that are in the age groups of 12 and under, um, and also what can potentially be done to extend the, the virtual learning, which is not really the best tool to teach our children, mm-hmm. but it is in the situation that particularly myself and my wife are in. Yeah due to the fact that she's immunocompromised. Yeah. Um, just what are your thoughts on that? And then I just have another brief question after that. We, we, we should probably get your second one just because I know the clock may run against us, and, and I'll try to get both of them at the same time, if that'd be okay. Uh, it's yeah. going to have to be really quick, Stephen. Okay, so so I'm a, I'm a self-employed um, person, and I've lost my business, and I'm now restructuring something else, and I'm going back uh, into the into the community and opening up a different business. 
Um, the eviction moratorium is most likely due to end sometime soon um, because I don't even know if this is going to be extended any, any further. And I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one in this particular situation. Okay, Stephen, um, we need you to get right to, to the question. Please. Answer, ask your question, please. Oh, that, that was my question. Uh, is, the, is the moratorium going to be extended? And, okay. you know, if, if so, what are your thoughts? That's all. Okay. Stephen, uh, thank you for both. First of all, um, God bless your wife, and we'll keep her in our prayers. Secondly, you're, you're absolutely right. We have uh, made um, the decision, again, subject to a virus that, dicta- that dictates the terms, uh, not us, but that we will be back in school in person Monday through Friday. Having said that, New Jersey has historically been as good as any American, not only with the number one public education systems state in America, we've been extremely, our track record is extremely strong at dealing with health issues among students, educators, staff. So the bar will be high as it always has been, but we clearly are not going to put anybody's life at risk. I, I will get um, either An- Angelica Allen McMillan, our uh, Department of Education Commissioner, or one of her colleagues to follow up with you, Stephen. What you mentioned particularly, and Nancy, this is something that I, I if, I, if I said nothing else, um, uh, vaccines for kids under 12, not yet approved by the feds. Uh, apparently the trials are going well, but that's anecdotal evidence. Um, so it is, we're not yet there, uh, which is why I think when school opens in the fall, it may have some more public health protocols than it will even a few months after that, assuming those trials come to fruition and a vaccine is approved for kids under the age of 12. And, and God, God knows we wanted to. Um, I will get somebody in, on our team, uh, probably from our front office, Stephen, to get to you about the, the, um, the moratorium. Um, I, I don't have any news to make in terms of whether it's going to be extended or not. We do have programs for renters as well as small landlords, which I want to make sure either somebody in my team, Dan Bryan, can figure out who or in the Department of Community Affairs can follow up on that front. Again, many thanks. Okay, we're going to squeeze in one more call before the break. We have Austin in Jersey City on the line. Hey, Austin. Hi, Governor Murphy. Uh, Big fan of yours. Thank you for taking my question. Um, So uh, I particularly want to thank you about the uh, recent marijuana legislation. That was really great stuff there. But my question is about something different. Um, It's about the uh, vaccine passport app that New York has rolled out. And I haven't heard much um, happening in New Jersey about that. So is there a plan for an equivalent vaccine passport app that will work with New York, that will work separately? Is that in the works? Um, And and can we expect that um, at any point? Good, good question. Um, So we're not there yet on that. I'm open-minded to it. It's not that we don't have the technology. Um, Here's what my concern is. Our vaccine rollout, um, I'd put it up against any state in America, particularly any large state in America. We're not, you know, it's not completely uh, perfect, but it, it, it is, it has been quite successful by any measure, except we are not that year, we're not yet there on equity. If you look at our penetration of vaccines in black and brown communities, um, we're progressing. There's no question about it. But there's a reason we're knocking on doors in places like Camden, Trenton, Atlantic City, 
uh, Jersey City, Austin, where you are, Passaic, Patterson, uh, because those numbers must get better. They will get better when they get better or in, or potentially in anticipation of their getting better. I'd be much more open-minded and, and, and willing to, to consider the vaccine passport idea, which has a lot of merit. The problem right now, if you sort of said venue X is going to require uh, confirmation that you're completely vaccinated when you know that big chunks of our state's population have are, are under vaccinated, it's it even not intentionally, it becomes discriminatory. And, and I, I don't want I'm not going to sign up for that, at least at this point. Again, conceptually open minded, but I think we need to we, we need to make more progress. Thanks for your call, Austin. Um, so, Governor, I'm going to shift gears just quickly here before we go to the next break. Um, you've been pushing for the Reproductive Freedom Act. Uh, it seems like a no-brainer for a state like New Jersey, where there's a large number uh, uh, who support abortion rights, including Republicans in the state. Um, I believe you've argued that this is needed because the U.S. Supreme Court might strike down Roe v. Wade. Why do you think some Democrats in the legislature are against this and are holding it up? Yeah, let me let me be um, let me jump into to, to this briefly. Uh, number one, folks need to understand that the only reason why we have the reproductive freedoms in New Jersey is because it's based on case law. There's no law, there's no statutory law on the books in New Jersey that guarantees those freedoms. It's it, it's based literally on case law, which are in turn based on Roe v. Wade. Uh, which I believe, if my memory gets me right, is 1973. Secondly, you're right. The U.S. Supreme Court has gone meaningfully to the right, and there is at least a significant concern, if not a lot of evidence based on the personal uh, judicial histories of the, of the participants, that this is a much more hostile court toward reproductive freedom and specifically toward Roe v. Wade. So you could end up in a position where the under think of this as the foundation of your house uh, is all of a sudden ripped out from under the house, the house becomes a house of cards, which is why I feel strongly, many feel strongly, that putting this into law is is important, particularly preemptively. And can I get- can't speak to where the legislators are on it, except that I am, I hope sooner than later, I continue to be optimistic that we'll get there, that we'll get that law passed and that's a law that ultimately when it comes to my desk i'll sign okay thank you we're going to take a quick break and be back with more of your questions we're taking them at 973-297-0941 you're listening to ask governor murphy you're listening to ask governor murphy a wbgo news production in collaboration with whyy and wnyc got a question for the governor Call us at 973-297-0941. That's 973-297-0941. Or pose your question on Twitter or Facebook with the hashtag AskGovMurphy. I'm Nancy Solomon, and we're live with Governor Phil Murphy. 
So, Governor, you're up for re-election this year, uh, but you're unopposed in the June primary, which is will shortly be upon us. Um, there was a point during your first term when it seemed like you might face more opposition from within the Democratic Party, from the George Norcross-controlled machine in South Jersey. Um, you had battled with the machine over corp- the corporate tax break program. There does seem to now be a detente of sorts. Uh, when was the last time you spoke with George Norcross? I spoke with George Norcross some number of weeks ago, within the past several weeks. And, um, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> well, no, no, I, no, I just think that the, I just would go back and say, first of all, we are in a post in the primary, as, as my old friend and mentor, uh, Frank Lautenberg, used to say, there's only two ways to run. Scared or unopposed. Uh, so we happen to be unopposed, but we're running scared, uh, and we'll continue to be that way. Well, and, I, and I would just say, I, I don't, I, I've never seen it, uh, and still don't accept the premise. And again, I'm a huge fan of yours, so I'm not trying to be argumentative that we're that we're quote unquote at war with a machine. You know, we rolling the tape back. We had uh, deep concerns based on a comptroller's study. Um, uh, about the last generation of tax incentives, and we set up an independent um, uh, group that did a lot of work on that. Um, and I think that was the genesis of a lot of the buzz the, 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 that feeds into the, the premise. But my, my uh, simple uh, view has been from day one, uh, I'm a Democrat. This is what I'm running on. This is what I'm going to try to accomplish, and I'm incredibly proud that we've at least started. We haven't finished everything by a long shot, but we've started almost all of the journeys that we committed that we would start as a candidate uh, in office. So we're going to we're going to ask folks to judge whether or not that's worthy of getting reelected and, and continue on those journeys. Well, there is some disappointment among a very core part of your base, the uh, progressive. Democratic Party activists in the state, um, particularly about the fact that you're running on a slate of machine-backed candidates across South Jersey, including in Camden, where the progressive candidates have been pushed out to what they call ballot Siberia. Um, let me just read you a quote from Sue Altman of Working Families Alliance, which who, she told uh, political reporter Matt Friedman this, if anything, this is a case study in why these machines should be weaker, because you have a governor who's extraordinarily powerful, who still feels a need to dance a certain way for their pleasure, and their pleasure meaning the machine's pleasure. So why join the machine back slate on the primary ballot? I mean, you're not even being challenged in the primary. May I, with all due due respect, I'm a huge fan of yours, and I'm a huge fan of Sue's. May I just make Two observations. <laughs> I, I, if one is a progressive, and I consider myself a pro-growth progressive, so not just progressive for the sake of being progressive, but doing the right things that also help us grow the economy and create jobs, I would ask someone right now to point me to a more progressive govern, governor or administration anywhere in the United States. The, 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 the list of what we, we said we'd do and then have done. And again, not in every case by a long shot have these, these journeys completed. Uh, Africa asked about wages. We're on the path toward $15 an hour. We're on the past path toward 
addressing the social injustices of the war on drugs by legalizing adult use cannabis and expunging and whatnot. Uh, I'm not suggesting we've accomplished everything, but I'd put our record as a progressive up against any administration anywhere in this country, period, without reservation. The second reaction I have is I would say with all due respect to the folks that I'm quote-unquote running with, and I would say not only in the south of Jersey, but look at the entire state. Look at the slate that I'm running with. Up in, in every one of the 21 counties, it 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 oozes diversity uh, of in every respect, including of experience, but literal diversity. Um, incredible public servants. Um, so I think this notion that there's okay over here are the are the bad guys. Uh, You've thrown yourself in with a bunch of folks who aren't progressives, and then over there is some. There are folks all over the ballot who are incredibly courageous to run, great public servants, great folks who want to be public servants. I have respect across the board, but that does not mean the groups that I'm running with are any less worthy are any less progressive. And that, I'll leave it at that. Well, let's talk about the ballot design in New Jersey, because there is a lawsuit, and it really has sort of started to get talked about and is being fought yeah. so much more than it has in the past. So to explain to our listeners, because I know you know, Governor, but there is this thing called the county line, and it's, uh, you know, all the candidates... Uh, from that are endorsed by the county committee are on that line running for different kinds of seats. So all around the country, the way ballots are designed is it'll say, you know, U.S. Senator or Governor, and then list all the candidates. But in New Jersey, you get a slate of candidates that are running for different positions, but they're all backed by the party and they're all in a line. And, um, and so you've thrown yourself in with the part with the county line. And what and there are but there are activists and groups that are suing to stop this practice and your administration is through the attorney general's office is fighting that lawsuit um and you've joined the the county line on these ballots so i guess i understand you have to run for re-election but what's do you, after you've been re-elected and you're in your second term are you going to take a stand and fight for reform of the ballot? I mean, this is democracy here. It is democracy. May I say one thing? That the implication of the, uh, again, I'm a huge fan, but I want to make sure everyone who's listening hears this. The, it sounds like we're defending a current situation against folks who want to see a better, more open democracy. It, it is our obligation to defend a law. Whether I or you or, in, or the man on the moon like the law, that is the obligation of the attorney general. That is the law of New Jersey. That's what they're defending, number one. Number two, I am completely open, and we've said this from the get-go, to anyone who's got good ideas and inputs on ballot design. Uh, and I, I've, I've said that from the get-go, and I, I will continue to say it. And thirdly, again, I'm proud of the fact that all 21 counties have stood up, as they did in 2017, we ran the first time. But again, I, I want to remind everybody, there are good folks all over the ballot, incredibly good public servants, oozing with diversity, including of experience. And that includes on the lines and the slates with, with which I'm running. Okay, fair enough. We're going to go back to the phones and take a call from 
Matt in Hamilton. Oh, hi. Hi, thanks hey, for taking Matt. my call. Hi, how are you? Um, first off, I just want to say I've been incredibly impressed by uh, how you and your administration has handled COVID in general, and I, I'm very happy with how New Jersey has handled things. So thank you first and foremost for that. Um, thank you. I do, yeah, I do have concerns with things opening back up. Um, I understand that our vaccination rates are very good. However, with the looming threat of other variants and, you know, yeah. you just never know what's going to happen, what, would there be any – in other – sorry – other um, states, we've seen a pattern of not shutting back down when necessary. So I'm wondering if you and your administration would take a stance on if we need to shutting back down, because that's not yep. something that we see elsewhere. Yep. Matt, good, thank you for your good words. Very good question. If we had to, we would, uh, period. But I will say this. I'm proud. Um, I, I'm rarely going to pat ourselves on the back. On this one, I will. We're the only state in America that has not lurched backwards once they took a step forward. Um, and I hope it stays that way, which me, means that's a different way of saying the thought and the uh, amount of study that we put into the big opening steps that are going to happen tomorrow and a week from tomorrow uh, was significant because we don't want to turn the clock back. Um, the vaccines, there was a lot of pressure, and Nance, this is one we haven't talked about in a while. There was a lot of pressure to, um, particularly when we had very short supply of vaccine doses, to string out the second um, shot and basically front load and get everybody a single shot and let let the chips fall where they may down the road in terms of getting supply to get the second shot. We resisted that. Um, and we resisted it not just because I thought it was a good idea. Our medical and health experts, as well as the federal experts, felt strongly if it was a two-shot regime, you needed both shots. In other words, you got some protection with the first, but you really needed the second. And as it relates to variants, the reason I say this, um, and, and Matt, I was in Hamilton, a great community, witnessing a local vaccine program a month or so ago, and it was really impressive. The reason I say this is the Indian variant is running wild in the UK, which you may have seen. And the scientists and medical experts are um, re relating that rate of spread to the fact that the UK did go the route of let's get a first shot into everybody and worry about the second shot later. Well, they're still now, now they're realizing, you know what, we got to go back in and give them that booster. So they're now in, a, I'm, I'm not sure the word is frantic, but they're in a hyper-aggressive mode to get that second shot in. Um, so those are, that, Matt, that's, if we have to go back, I hope the heck we don't, we will. Secondly, I'm glad we did the two shots. And thirdly, Matt, if a business, a restaurant, a place of work chooses to be stricter, in other words, they, they make you wear a mask, they, make, they keep a social distancing up, that is their right. Matt, if you choose personally to wear a mask uh, and to continue to you know, observe certain health protocols that may be in stricter guidance than the state, you have a right to do that and no one can tell you that you can't. Thanks for your call, Matt. You know, it's interesting what you say, Governor, about, you know, people can choose to wear a mask regardless of the fact that the mandate's been lifted. Um, somebody said to me the other day uh, that she's planning on wearing a mask during flu season because we saw during the pandemic how low the flu numbers were. And, yep. uh, so that could become a whole new normal, right? Yeah. Mask wearing. 
Listen, I've lived in Asia a couple of years uh, when I was working in the private sector, and it is a regular practice in Asia where folks, depending on time of the year, sickness at their house, whatever it might be, you'll see masking. I, I think we'll continue to see some amount of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's right, Nancy. So uh, let's talk a little bit about New Jersey Transit. Um, I'm wondering if there's a sil- silver lining in terms of the pandemic in New Jersey Transit that in a year with few riders, I'm wondering if you were enabled to able to get more done. Um, and then just generally, I mean, many of us are going to be resuming our commutes into the city. Uh, I know I start back in September. Um, mm-hmm. So what are, what are we going to see? Uh, you know, how is it going to be different? What kind of improvements will we see? Yeah, I, I think you phrased it actually quite well that that you know there there are probably a inside of this awful tragedy in new jersey that's claimed over twenty six thousand lives there are if you could say there are silver linings there's more family time i know we had and so many others have had together uh and on that list is getting new jersey transit which we were fixing in any event but getting it fixed faster the holy trinity is better on time performance fewer cancellations better customer service I think we will have made enormous strides in all of the above. Um, and I believe when folks get back using it at more regular rhythm and more regular levels, they're going to see that. And one data point uh, that I would use only is we continued to train and graduate mm-hmm. classes of engineers. I remember the first summer I was in office, summer of 18, you and I were doing this show in person. I hope we can get back to doing that, by the way, sooner than later in Newark. Uh, and we spent, you know, a big chunk of the first number of shows we did on the summer, uh, you know, engineer gets sick, decides to take a vacation. We were so understaffed in engineers, it would cancel entire lines for the entire day on Mondays and Fridays, particularly around holiday weekends. Um, I, I can't tell you that will never happen again, but the, overwhelmingly those days are behind us. Um, and that's one example of many, I think, that folks will see when they get back to riding transit again. A silver lining indeed. Okay, we're yeah. going to squeeze in one more quick call. Josh in Berkeley Heights. I'm going to ask you to make your question as short as you can, Josh. Will do. Good evening, Governor. Hey, Josh. Senator Nick Scuteri introduced a bill that would allow corporations to make unlimited campaign contributions to our state and local candidates. Do you support or oppose that proposal? I'm not familiar with that. I'm a big fan of Nixon. He does an enormous amount of good as Union County Chair, as Chair of the Judiciary Committee. I'm not familiar with that particular bill. So, Josh, if it's okay with you, I will I'll defer, uh, except to say, historically, I've believed in limits as a conceptual matter. Um, and I, I think that's, at the end of the day, the right place to be in terms of participation and not feeling like uh, you're crowding people up out. The U.S. Supreme Court now over 10 years ago uh, supported this decision, Citizens United, um, which I I think has had a deleterious impact on democracy. Having said that, I'm a big fan of Nick's. I don't know the bill specifically, so I want to reserve on commenting on it uh, in particular until I've had the chance to study it. Thank you. 
Thanks for your call, Josh. And I guess I'm going to squeeze in one more quick question. Uh, So you said last month that you were open to increasing the amount of relief aid for undocumented immigrants in New Jersey. Um, You had pledged 40 million. New York is doing 1.7 billion. Uh, Where does that stand? Have have you come to any agreement on how much you're going to spend? Yeah, well, we 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 did uh, put forward, and we have committed forty million dollars definitively for persons who were previously excluded uh, from federal relief funds, and that that does include a big chunk of that group is our undocumented brothers and sisters, and and I've said without fail, New York's number was legislated. If there's if there's an opportunity to legislate for more money, um, not only am I open-minded to. To, to doing more, I would sign that. Um, you know, my view is unless we bring everybody along, we don't beat the pandemic and we don't have a really economic recovery, and we'll do all we, that we can in that direction. Okay, well, we're going to have to leave it there. Governor Murphy, thanks so much for joining us tonight. You've been listening to Ask Governor Murphy, a WBGO News production in collaboration with WHYY and WNYC. The show was produced by Doug Doyle and Joseph Capriglione with help from David Antoine and Alexandra Hill. Our engineer is Corey Goldberg. I'm Nancy Solomon. Thanks for listening. This is Ask Governor Murphy.